So what's when you don't yet, yeah, don't tell word? her. No, I'm gonna hear it. What? What? What's your word? <laughs> what's my what? Word for this, what we did here. Huh? Why are you pulling my ear away? I want you to whisper <laughs> it in my ear. This is the intro. <laughs> what's your word? This is the intro. What's my word? Yeah, for what we did in this <laughs> thing here tonight. Life is great. Um, I said fun. Huh? One word. One. One word. Oh, I can't say life is great. No. Well, we, we would recommend one you word, but great. we can don't tell you us what. Great. Just don't tell us. Yeah, it's supposed to be a surprise. We're going to cue you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, champion skydiver, president of Roger Spensky's fan club. Um, not really. Yeah, really. <laughs> Alleged, or possibly confirmed. I was going to answer jet. you with. Hang on, no, no, we're, not, we're not ready. We're, we're, we're pitching. Yeah, we're, we're, still, we're not done yet. We're still just giving your bio. Yeah. Alleged, but actually, uh, plane hijacker. Travis Pastrana's mentor. <laughs> Dick Simon. <laughs> Medically trained doctor. <laughs> uh, Mr. Dick Simon. If uh, you could describe this dinner we just had in one word, what would it be? Fantastic. Oh. Oh. Okay. That was far more pleasant than your previous All of that debate for fantastic? Oh, now you're quiet, Diane? Oh, I said fun. That's worse than fantastic. That's worse than fantastic. (laughs) And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio And welcome to yet another episode of Dinner with Racers. I am Sean Heckman. I'm Ryan Eversley. And uh, as we've said about a million times at this point, uh, you might know we've got that uh, television show on Amazon Prime. And we did a huge six-month, 15,000-mile journey to record all of those stories. We put out a bunch of podcasts to go with it. But in addition to doing all that work, we also took a handful of stops and uh, made some just regular podcasts, as you've known us for through the years. Now, one of the names that has been on our list since we started this show would be Mr. Dick Simon because he is kind of like the guy that ran six indie cars at once before anybody else was doing it. He was a driver. He has a very interesting FBI story and uh, just an interesting character that kind of really was a part of the IndyCar scene with a unique way of doing it. And as it turns out, he's got like a yacht business uh, out in the uh, Dana Point area, which is sort of Orange County, Southern California. So not too far from where we were doing a bunch of other things. So we're like, hey, let's meet up with him. And uh, I can't speak for you, Ryan, but I know for myself, the episodes I enjoy the most are the ones where I'm caught off guard by how awesome somebody is. Right. And um, this is a two-parter for a very specific reason. We did not go into this thinking we were going to record two episodes, but the guy has the most amazing stories and they're so out of left field and unexpected that there's no way they're fake. This guy, like you say, Sean, like we didn't know that we'd end up liking it. I didn't know that I'd end up like wanting to hang out with Dick Simon every day for the rest of my life because the guy was just hilarious and the stories he was telling us were nuts. And we had a blast. We could tell he was having a blast too. It was so fun. So uh, on National Make Your Bed Day, 
Uh, we went out to the San Juan Hills Golf Club out in San Juan Capistrano, California. Dick met up with his uh, lovely wife, Diane, who had a lot of wine. And if you pay attention, you can definitely hear it. So some of the things you're going to hear about in this episode include being a scab at 17 years old. Uh, running your own mafia of 12-year-olds. Being a medical doctor in your own mind. Being Travis Pastrana before there was a Travis Pastrana. Having the FBI break through your door. And so much more. We had no idea. So we would have never made it down there if we weren't driven safely uh, by our uh, legal counsel and now driver, Mr. Michael Avenatti. The book was better. And of course, to get there safely, not only do you need a good driver, but you need a great car with great tires. Unfortunately, we have a amazing Acura MDX. Sean, thoughts? Uh, well, I agree, uh, but it, we, you know, a car is only as good as the tires it's riding on. And, and what kind of tires were those? Ryan. Continental tires. Cross contact. Alex uh, Sport. Dick Simon, part one. Hang on. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Hey, nice to see you. That's all right, no problem. Take a seat, please. How are you, sir? Well, you probably saw the uniform over there. Oh, no, we didn't actually. Is that yours? Wow, whose is that? Yeah, that's me. That's you. <laughs> yeah, it's been there for years. That's cool. We, we've lived in this area for a long time. Yeah. So we've yeah. got years ago when I was actually driving an Indy and then right. retired as the oldest driver in history. Right. So it's, yeah. it's literally Salmas. Marcus Allen, Lavanian Tomlinson. Johnny Unitas is up there. Johnny Unitas, Dick Simon. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That is so cool. Like, yeah, how about that? The smile sells it. That is the yeah. coolest thing. Yeah, it's been there a long time. Cool. Yeah. We'll Hold take a chair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to want to talk about. There, everything. There, there's anything. no agenda. We're not yeah. sitting here with a list of questions. We got we have questions from back in the day that we'll have for you, but this is about stories. So if there's something like, oh, you guys got to hear this crazy story about, about uh, 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 Scott Brayton. Scott Brayton, you know, or, or – Willie T or something like that, then uh, we'll, or we'll talk about Roger that. Penske or when, Roger Penske. Perfect. When Roger Penske controlled all the media and basically we were uh, leading the race for lap after lap after lap after lap. And ironically, our sponsor Duracell said, we don't understand something. There was a different race, a different race at the Michigan 500 than what we saw. We saw you leading the race. And then when we watched the replay, we saw Penske leading the race with all of his pit stops of both of his drivers, they never covered one of your pit stops. Why aren't we getting the coverage? Interesting. We're starting off good. All right, you, you understand <laughs> this format, then. So, so this was so like Duracell. So this was back in the days of uh, was it Raul Boisel was your driver? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and this was during. Oh, the and I have some stories to tell you in that area if you're interested. Yes. 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 Yeah. Everything. We yeah. want everything. Well, yeah. you know, you know, when you're sitting on the front row at Indy two years yeah. in a row, and you're sitting there with a three million dollar Duracell sponsorship against twenty million dollars, and then you put a girl. Lynn St. James on the outside of the second row yeah. ahead of three world champions. Yeah. You're doing something and right. And she's sixth with a million eight budget from J.C. Penney's. Yeah. What's going on? They all had 20 million or more. Right. When we went to uh, Milwaukee, right after sitting on the front row at Indies, we set the track record by five miles an hour. And we've sat on the pole. Basically, we finished second in the race. Nigel Mansell, I believe, finished first. He yeah. caught us in the last lap because Raul got into some traffic and he snuck under us yeah. and got us. But it was our race. Right. If you looked on TV, yeah. it was not our race. 
So basically those were the days when media was covered by the money with the background to make sure that the coverage was being covered on the proper teams that were putting out the $20 million budgets. That's what made it hard for me as an individual, as a car owner, to satisfy sponsors like uh, Amway, uh, Duracell, Poke, uh, I could go on and on. Yeah, yeah, so, right. so, so basically when, when the people say, why were you always first out? at Indianapolis. I can say that the reason we were is because we had to make our own coverage. So we weren't getting it because of the media coverage and the connections between the high dollar teams and the media. We had to create our own. So, so you mean first out, you meant and practice at Indy. That's what you were known for. How was having on your opening cars day, yeah. we were always the first one out. Yeah. It even got so pathetic that one day <laughs> at Indianapolis, they gave us the track. <laughs> and every one of the guys in Garage Alley said, just let him have Let's it. Go. Yeah. And we took it. five cars around on yeah. the opening day on national worldwide television yeah. right. for three laps. Right. Yeah. Got national worldwide television. And then when you're sitting down with someone like Duracell and you say, what does it cost you for a 30-second ad on the world championships or right. the w football world championships? Right. Or yeah. It costs you millions. Yeah. We just got you three minutes. Yeah, right. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Do you need any more for the yeah. rest of the year? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> And that, I mean, this was back in the day when the month of May really was an entire month. So it wasn't like everybody needed to practice every day of, of the Indy 500 uh, practice and qualifying. So, so that became sort of the signature move. But the, I literally never knew until this minute that was purely for the media exposure. Because yes. as the month went on, you guys just became well, less and less of a factor. I have to be honest with you. Yeah. I come from the age of first out has a better chance than anyone, no matter whether you're the first out to step up to the stage or right. whether you're whatever it is in life if yeah. you can be first first up first out you're usually the winner right well so, it shows preparation for sure so yeah. so it shows that you're ready for that moment yeah and we're ready for the month yeah. now the dollars that you have to work with depict whether you're going to practice a lot yeah. whether you're going to keep your car in the garage and only go out a few a few laps each yeah. day right. and and you can't go out and run lap after lap and have yeah, to sure. try all these different configurations but for us to be limited on the amount of laps that we could run financially it's amazing yeah. that we did what we did yeah and yeah. i was so proud of engineering all those cars you know it's like lynn st james when she sat second on the out row uh, I mean, on the second row of Indy, that day, Raul sat on the front row. He came zipping into the pits. I ran down, and I went to Raul, and I said, Raul, how was the car? He says, oh, Dick, it was too good. He says, <laughs> I right. never lifted the whole time. Right. And I, I said, thank you. And I took off. Raul was mad at me because when the pictures for the him on the front row showed up in all the photographs, no Dick Simon. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Why didn't you stay for the pictures? I said, I went up and Lynn was next car out. Yeah, he had to watch hers. I jumped in front of her car. The engine was started. It was less than 30 seconds to go. You only have so many seconds. Yeah. Yep. You have to go. I jumped in front of her. I stopped the car and I said, Lynn, hang on. And I gave it a turn of front wing. Yeah. Her okay. eyes went as big as saucers, yeah. and she said to me, she says, in her, in, in her uh, helmet, yeah. I, I don't have practice time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what right. are you doing? I, I don't yeah, know, yeah, it yeah. just changed. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't lift. Don't get off the throttle in. Now, I'll tell you why. Because Raul said the car was too good. Yeah. 
Uh, okay. I yeah. had I had set Lynn's car up to be conservative. Right. Yeah. She probably would have call, qualified sixth or seventh or eighth. I thought so much for conservative if his car was perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So boom. Let's turn her up. Yeah. I took the turn of wing and I said, knowing he drove flat out. Yeah. I said, don't lift. Then I went up, and I'll tell you why I was nervous. Because when I went up and looked at that stage, we didn't have fuel gauges and stuff like that in the pits, but we did have throttle control. So I told her, don't lift. And the reason I didn't want her to lift, with more front wing, if you're going into the corner and you lift, the front dives down, the back comes around. So I knew this. She didn't. She had to trust me. And if you talk to Lynn, St. James, you're going to find it was her trust in me that helped her to do as shickety did. And it was because we built that trust between her and I from day one when we started working. And so when she would tell me something, I knew it was true. Not so true with Raul. I had a problem with him. Proof of that is, is when he left our team and went with Ray Hal Hogan, he did terrible. And then Barry Green calls me, and Barry Green says, well, he didn't do any good with Ray Hal Hogan, so we took him because, man, you, you guys did good but he's not doing good for us. How did you do it, Dick? I said, Raul does not know what the car's doing. He only knows he gets scared when the car isn't right. So you have to ask him what is scaring him. And well, you know, we, we, we tried all those things. I said, no, it helps when you're a driver. When the steering is stiff, you know that the car's gonna spin. He says, you do? I said, Barry, I drove. I know when that car's stiff and you force it, the back's coming around. So I said, all I did is stay in the stagger a little bit. The car was comfortable for him. I, and, he, and he said, well, I just changed the caster. And I said, that's why you didn't do good. So basically what it boils down to is, is communication. So that day when I said to Lynn, don't lift, I went immediately back to the pits and I looked on the uh, screen and I prayed to God. I said, please don't let her lift. She'll crash the car. Don't let her lift. And it, she held green all the way around nice. for four laps and finished ahead of three world champions. Yeah. Right. I, Did all right. <laughs> so we didn't win Indy as a team. Sure. But we won, in my mind, a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. A lot of, lot of different type of victories. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. with your budget, and like, if this was, <clears throat> I think this was 1993, and so... Uh, no, I think four? that was in 85 or 80... Well, Lynn's first Indy was 92. Yes. So... Oh, yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. So... Uh, that was, yeah, earlier than I'm thinking, yes. Sure, but yeah. my point is, like, I mean, this is a second year, <laughs> uh, second or third year Indy driver... Just saying, yeah, okay, I can do it because he said it, you know, and that's all that all it took. Yeah. So, so a lot of our fans are sort of younger; they may not necessarily know some of the older days of of car or IndyCar or whatever. So, 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 we're not really a bio kind of show as much as storytelling. But, but the younger days of Dick Simon aren't necessarily known to a lot of our fans. So, so if we go back to 1933, like, a, a, tell me about young Dick Simon. Where were you born? I was born in Seattle, Washington, okay. and. Uh, I grew up as a kid who had all kinds of aggressions to wanted to do his own thing. And at eight, 12 years old, I wanted my own car, and my okay. father said no. Was your dad a car guy? Pardon? Was your dad a car guy? Was your father into cars? No. Okay. My father was a baker. Oh, and, interesting. And uh, was, had a little bakery okay. called Terminal Bakery. 
And so basically what happened is uh, I was delivering papers as a young kid. And uh, one morning, um, because I had whatever I needed, my mother had multiple sclerosis, so yeah. my father had no money. Right. So he was paying for doctors for and yeah. everything. So us kids learned very early. I had paper routes. I was delivering paper routes at eight, nine, ten years old. I had developed to where I was delivering so many papers in the mornings I was late to school. So I started stealing my dad's car, <laughs> and, I'd, I'd, and I would pay the kids yeah. to basically. Throw the papers onto the lawns and stuff. Right. So you're already and, starting the business. And yeah, yeah. so basically then I started a second business when I was 12, and that was mowing the various mm -hmm. lawns that we were delivering papers. Because right. when I had to go collect for the papers, I'd say, you know, I do yards too. Let me show you the picture, Home Better Gardens picture of the yard. Yeah. I'd like to make your yard like this. Oh, what would that cost us, honey? Yeah. No kidding. So I signed up like 40 or 50 yards, and and so I hired kids to do the yards, and I I was delivering papers, and uh, when when <laughs> so I so you're uh, like the 12 year old yeah. slave driver of the other kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I was like, I was driving. The kids were all working for me. <laughs> and, and, and Tell me what? you had a cigar. Like at 12, you no, had a cigar. No, you're like, over there, kid. No, 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 yeah. no. Did no, you nothing. have knuckles? Like, hey, Jimmy Knuckles, come here. Yeah, right. No, nothing like okay. that. But when I was 14 years old, we got in trouble because by that age, the kids that were with me wanted to drive too. <laughs> so I said, all right, you drive today. Right. And I will uh, throw the papers. Yeah. So this kid. And your dad has no clue you're doing any of this. Huh? And your dad does not know you're doing any no, of this. No, I was rolling the car out of the driveway yes. every morning at four in the yes. morning. Yes. Oh I love it. And, I love it. And, and then I would coast. I'd get a big run up the street. Right. And we had a little bit of an angle on the driveway. And sometimes I'd have trouble not quite making it in. And I'd have a couple of the kids help me push the car back into the garage. <laughs> yeah, well, you got but to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we would park the garage in the garage. Well, <laughs> then I got in trouble because I let this kid drive and he drove over one of the lawns. He had made, he ever driven before? No. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah, he's yeah. new. Yeah. His, <laughs> he made a These 11-year-olds don't know what they're doing. No, he, he was yeah. about 13. Oh, okay. But he should have known that. Yeah, yeah, right. He had the but wisdom. He, he ended up making a mistake while he was trying to get me closer, and he thought he was going to hit the mailbox, so he turned right and went over the people's lawn, <laughs> turned left and dug the rear tires, threw the lawn up. The guy had come out for his paper and saw it. <laughs> yeah. And knew it was me. <laughs> right, right. And he called my father. Oh, oh boy. He said, your, your damn kid just tore up my lawn. You get him over here to fix it. Yeah, yeah. right. My dad said, he doesn't drive. Yeah, right. How did, <laughs> how did he do that? Right. So that's when my dad, I was 14, he went and lied about my age and got me a license. Okay. Okay. So then later on at about 15, I got a job at commercial ship repair. Yeah. Uh, commercial ship repair was Pier 66 in Seattle, Washington. And at 16, I got a job from 3 o'clock until midnight. Wow. Um, and what it amounted to is I would drive all of the people that worked on ships to their various ships. They had a little, uh, back then, a walkie-type phone that was connected to the uh, parts department. So if you were on Pier 69 and needed a part, you'd say, Dick, bring us this. I'd run over to the parts department, bring it out to the ship. So and then at the end of the tour at the evening, I would make the route with this big truck and pick up 16 or 20 mechanics and bring them back. And I became the youngest vice president uh, that commercial ship repair ever had. And the reason that happened is at age 17, 
16 or 17, I can't remember, the union had a strike. Uh. <laughs> and the... Uh, they had a ship that was getting ready to go to someplace. I don't know now, China, wherever. It had to leave that morning at 4 o'clock. There was mechanics needed to finish up the last few things. And the, the vice president of commercial ship repair said, Dick, you've got to get these mechanics on that boat. Somehow, you've gotta, there's going to be union members that will stop you. So I pulled up to the gate to where the docks are. In order to you pull across that, it's not a gate. It's a sidewalk in the street. Yeah, right. But it's a gate when they actually put their belly or, or their bat, their baseball bats and <laughs> and and everything that they right. use against yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Just they, like they do today. They yeah. stand there and say, "You're not crossing." Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Union yeah, yeah. strike. So I was a member of the union. Oh, yes, that's so, big no-no. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. so basically when I pulled up there and I basically said to the guy, I have to deliver these people to this ship. The ship's leaving at 4 a.m. Right. That ship's going nowhere. The guy was real sassy. Yeah. And I said, oh, are you kidding me? I can't take these guys and put them on that ship? No. And he says, and don't you try. Yeah. And he holds up this bat. <laughs> oh, wow. And I said, hey, I don't need this kind of trouble. I'm really sorry. Let me take these guys back to commercial And this is ship like late repair. 40s? Uh, I don't remember the age. I was, Mid-40s. well, in 1952, I graduated from Ballard High School. So right. it was probably in 1951 or, okay. or 52. Right. Yeah, okay. 51 probably. So at that point. I backed the truck up like I was going to back out, <laughs> and I, what, I actually turned go. slightly, yeah. and I put that sucker in gear and stood on the gas right. and went right through. They hammered the fenders. Yeah, they, right. One guy jumped on the <laughs> side deal and smashed the windshield. I've seen this movie. Yeah. And I went on down, and I opened the door, and he went tumbling onto the dock <laughs> at about 20 miles an hour. And and I went on? on down to the end of the dock and jumped my guys off, and they all said, holy <laughs> Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. And I said, well, they told me to get you here. Yeah, right. I had a so job to do. the union wow. kicked me out of the union. Yeah, I imagine, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what happened was then commercial ship repair said, well, you know, if you're a vice president of the company, you can still do the job. Uh, so they made me at a young age vice president of the company, and I could drive the truck. So until I graduated from my school the next year, I drove the truck. You for commercial scabbed your way to success. Well, yeah. no, but that's okay. But basically, we're not in a union. I got in trouble with the union even before that. Okay, and that's because when I was parked outside the ship with people, I had nothing to do except okay. wait for this damn little walkie-talkie right, to, tell, to tell me. Yeah. So I'd get out of the truck and I'd go on the ship and I'd walk down out of curiosity, and I'd see these guys working, and they'd be putting pistons in an engine or something, and. I'd say, well, can I help you clean it off before you and put that little white cream around the, the rings? Yeah, sure, Dick. So I was helping them. The union fined me for that. Right. Well, like, just in the first ten minutes, you you don't have a union mindset. Um, <laughs> no. Like, if you've got a <laughs> no. if you've got a workforce at twelve years old based on your father's stolen car. I don't know if you heard the Penske stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, none of this is the kind of guy who takes breaks. Right. Every I three hate hours. unions. Yeah. I, I get this impression because unions that. are like, let's make health care for anybody. <laughs> 
Annie O. Wait, here in 2019, okay. So, so you don't have to earn it. Uh, we'll just provide it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're America. We'll yeah. provide it for you whether you work or not. Take here, a turn. here in Orange County. Take a turn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you've got a tiger on your hands here tonight. You're my favorite person Perfect. already. Yeah, no, I'm way in. I'm so in on Dick Simon, yeah. I had no idea. I yeah. was like, maybe we'll get a funny Willie T story. Yeah, I'm right. Like, oh, wow. Okay. All right. You'll have to edit a few things. Nah, so. we're good. <laughs> no, the first one that's going out unpolished. <laughs> So what happens from there? You start skiing, like, with your high school buddies? Well, basically what happened in high school was I couldn't do the general sports. Right. I was very athletically inclined, small and whatnot, but I was fast, like a a quarterback or a halfback needed to be. Mm -hmm. So when I tried out for the football team, I did good. Yeah. But I couldn't practice with the team. And when the coach said, Dick, you can't be on the team unless you can practice all of our stuff yeah and i said i can't i mean i i, I work yeah right right five days a week <laughs> i got a full-time <laughs> yeah. job here high school coach i've got a staff yeah. of 20 <laughs> so he said well we have a ski team at ballard high yeah he said why don't you sign up for the ski team this was my freshman or junior year i can't remember freshman i think or mm-hmm. junior year junior year so uh because I tried for pole vaulting, and I, I was good at that, too. And, but the, they, they wouldn't put me on the team. So okay. the first year in high school, they wouldn't put me on the team because I didn't go to any of the practices. Oh, I see. Yeah, so yeah. the second year, the coach says, why don't you sign up for skiing? We have a ski team. Mm-hmm. The next year, I won all city championships, downhill, cross country, slalom, and ski jumping. Wow. I won all four of the high school championships. Yeah. That's when I got an offer to go to the University of Wenatchee, Washington. My grade level, because I never studied, my grade level was, was, yeah, well, again, was C minus yeah. or D. And Solid. So, so the coach said that we can't give you the scholarship unless you're a C or C plus. Right, right. I said, then you have to go talk to my teachers because <laughs> they're mad at me because I never open a book. Right. And... I just listen to them, and I tell them, tell me what you want me to know in class, and I'll know it. Yeah, right. And so but once took, you're out of school, you're working. Is yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Right. I left school. I, I even cooked donuts at my dad's bakery at 530 in the morning until I went to school at 8 o'clock. Yeah, right. So, so basically, I, and I smelled like donuts all day. Awesome. And the kids yeah. loved me because <laughs> yeah. they say, I want to sit next to Dick. He smells like donuts. So how did Dickie over here? You know, but I was a happy guy because I smelled like donuts and I had a good job. <laughs> yeah, and you're I, making money. Yeah, I was in high school. You wanted for nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, and I bought my own car, yeah. you know, and I worked on my own car. Yeah. So basically, uh, it, my father was a good baker. He worked night and day. That's all he ever did. He never had time to see any of my sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never held it against him because he was providing for the for the family yeah. and paying the hospital bills. My mother died at 38 while I was in college, and uh, that was a shame. But nevertheless, it was a blessing because she was sick from when I was 10 or 11. Yeah. So she was supposed to die the next year. When she didn't die the next year, finally my dad just took off. And that's when I was taking care of my brother and my sister uh, and my mother out of the job that I had as a senior. So when I went to Wenatchee, I told Coach Combo, I got to have a job that'll pay me this amount of money because I'm taking care of 
a lot of people. Yeah, I got a family to feed. So he got me a job at the uh, hotel there as head waiter. He got me a job at the gas station, and he got me a job at Arden Farms Dairy. I'm already tired. <laughs> so I had three jobs. And, and you're like 18. I had no time, 19 at that Nin- point. Oh, excuse me. Um, your wisdom then. Well, I missed a third grade because... I I don't think it missed you. Building a ship. (laughs) I missed the third grade and had to take third grade. Okay. That was because of illness in the family. I was trying to expand to Spokane. I didn't didn't actually go to third grade. Right. So I had to take third grade. That moved me into 19 when I at. I see. Oh, okay. In other words, you were a senior at 19 because you skipped the grade. But I think you did okay. Whatever happened with that? Did you ever come back? Did you ever find out? Well, basically, a few years later, many years later, I got a call from Alaska. That my father was critical and dying. And he had left and gone to Alaska to be a chef on a fishing boat. So he disappeared from the world. Did you know that? Did you know he was in Alaska or anything? Okay. Never heard from him for years. So he runs out and that's it, basically. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They told me he was dying and I might want to fly up there. Right. But my dad was stubborn like me. He didn't (laughs) die. I didn't have time to fly up there. Okay. I felt like, hey, you left us. Maybe, you know, if you die, I guess you die. Uh, but he didn't. <laughs> Your wife right now. That's she's the like, best look I've like, ever seen. Like, what? Well, I mean. I married this. Hey, I was a kid that was left with everything. Yeah. So, yeah. meaning everything you had to pick yeah, up. Yeah, you had to clean up after Not your like dad. you were left with everything. You no, were left no, with I was left yeah. with all the bills. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fortunately, my brother was, uh, 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 what do they call it when you're inducted into the Army? Huh? He was like drafted. He was drafted. Yeah, right, right, right. He was drafted because he had skipped school too many times. Oh, yeah, right. And he was a senior and skipped school, and they were kicking him out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this was late 50s? Yes. Okay. Fi- uh, 51, I believe. Okay. Yep. And oh, so, okay. So he was kicked out, yeah. and they immediately drafted him. So he yeah. went off to war. So. Yeah, was he went off to Korea then? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was just my mother and my sister and myself. And so basically... Uh, it was a lot of responsibility. So when I found out a few years later, I wasn't too s- upset about it. Uh, but then my dad did survive, and I found out that he had moved because his he had he had uh, married another woman, and she sent me a letter or something said we're in California, and we'd like to basically uh, try to, try re- to re- reunite. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so, so basically what, what happened with my father was uh, we got back together a little bit. And a few years later, I got a call that he was in the hospital again. He had his legs were going to sleep uh, uh, from the knees down. So the doctor told him we need to take some veins out and put some artificial veins, not his veins, artificial veins that would go into his lower legs so that he could uh, not be numb. Because if he watched television, he couldn't stand up. His legs, he had no feeling. So he went into the hospital, and I went to visit him while he was in the hospital. And uh, he was smoking in the room. In the hospital. After all of this. Yeah. Wow. And... I said, Dad, you can't smoke in these hospitals. Oh, me and the nurse, we're okay. <laughs> <I'm hooked up. laughs> he like, says, Dude. I just have to open the window. See, it's That's open. Not the point, sir. What? 
and, and so my dad was a little and he bit. said he was stubborn, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I laughed, and I said, well, I guess you're okay. And he says, oh, yeah, I'm fine. He says, you can go back to work. So I went back to work. Yeah, right. He was supposed to stay in the hospital for seven days, which is stupid. But that's my feeling. But okay. anyway. You don't seem like a guy that likes the hospital. No, I hate it. <laughs> right. Or healthcare. I've got more stories. Uh, there are war stories in that area. Yeah, right. But basically, just ask my wife. She had to put up with me doing some things that were bad. But not bad in my eye, but bad in the hospital <laughs> Here side. we go. Yeah, we got all in the eye of the guy that used to steal yeah. a car when he was a 12-year-old. Yeah. So, so, so ba- Fought the unions. Basi- basically, uh, I went home. And I got this call about five days later. Your dad is in critical condition. He's got staph pneumonia. Oh, wow. You better make arrangements to come because he's not going to make it. Wow. This is the second time you've heard this, basically. Huh? This is the second time you've heard this. Yes. Yeah. So I thought, oh, So this was like Wednesday. I thought, I'll just wait till Friday, um, and I'll go over the weekend. He died Friday. Ah. Uh, I never made it. So basically, they killed him because they kept him in the hospital. He got staph pneumonia and died of dying with staph pneumonia and lung cancer. Uh, he couldn't breathe. Yeah, he yeah, right, the right. immune system, yeah, sure. Yeah, he couldn't breathe. Yeah. So uh, that ended my dad. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Now, as, as, as years went on, I basically... Because in parachuting, well, let's put it this way. In college, the best thing I loved was ski jumping. Right. And the reason I loved the ski jumping is I felt I had dreams when I was a kid of being an eagle. Okay. And of (laughs) swooping around this world. I had dream after dream. Yeah. And I used to wake up with a sore back from hitting the dam because the doors, you know, were lower than the ceiling. And yeah. I'd be flying around the house and duck underneath the doors to go into the next room. I'd hit my back. So I'd wake up in the morning with a sore back from flying. Wait. It, it, Wait. It, That's a... Yeah, I don't follow. <laughs> He's told this story so many times he believes it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for saying that because I was like, I, are we in the real world? Or? Yeah, no, this, exactly. this is true. Now you have to understand that it came from my it. it came from my flying through the air. Okay, I'm gonna argue that it might have been from your uh, you know work as a shipyard employee <laughs> or the no, free no. paper route. No, no, no. I think it came from the ski jumping because the part oh, I loved, okay. I didn't want to land. Right. I would always say, oh, I, I'm I've quit flying. You know, I'm going down. Yeah. I don't want to go down. <laughs> so, right. so, so basically, but that helped me in ski jumping because I would try to learn how to aerodynamically get more distance okay because i love the float i love the flying and so basically what happened one day i'm watching these golden knights out of the airport at sandy utah they were doing flying across the sky with smoke bombs on their heels and they'd come together in a star and then they'd separate oh i gotta do that (laughs) (laughs) and i went up there and steve biljanic Steve Biljanic was the, uh, he was in the 81st Airborne okay. and was running the Sandy Utah parachute team up there. And I went to him and I said, I want to do that. 
And he says, aren't you Dick Simon? And I said, yeah. Well, see, I was in the newspaper all the time from skiing for uh, the University of Utah. Right. And for winning those those things. Yeah, because you got the junior college scholarship, and then you ended up transferring to the University of Utah? Well, what happened is I was married to a Mormon. Okay. And her father had a mink ranch in uh, uh, Draper, Utah. And so... Uh, Ironically, I had three scholarship offers, University of Washington, University of Wenatchee, and University of uh, Utah. So I thought, Utah has a ski hill right next to town. My father-in-law said we could move in with them until we got settled. So basically, I said, I'll take that scholarship because that coach will help me get a job. Basically, that's what happened. I was in Utah, and I saw these parachutists, and I went up to Steve, and he said, well, I, I, I know you. He said, hell, you can do this easy. <laughs> he, 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 he said, uh, come out with me. Right. And he put me up on a tower that was about 20 feet off the ground, and he said, do a, a, a land and roll. Well, that's called a proper landing procedure. Right. PLF. So, basically... In skiing, you learn to fall properly, uh, or any sport, yeah. uh, to try to avoid breaking arms and legs. So, yeah, you injure. I, I broke collarbones and stuff from hitting the shoulder wrong. I broke ribs and things like that. Broke my back in three places. But uh, <laughs> Anything else? He says casually. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, but other arm, than that. Yeah. Well, I broke this on a moped, <laughs> been it clean back. That sound but, weird. But basically what it amounted to was I... I loved this, right. that, and so he he said, well, now let's take you in and uh, show you how these parachutes are packed so that you'll have confidence. I said, well, I've seen all the confidence. I don't know. Let's go. So <laughs> You don't want to think about it? <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me a parachute. So then he says, well, we have, to, we have to put a strap on you to make sure that you can do this. You go out of the airplane, one, two, three, pull the ripcord. He okay. said, normally we do five of those. But he said, if you can do it right the first time, I'll give you a free fall the second. Oh. I said, fantastic. <laughs> so you step out onto the wheel, you grab a hold of the strut, and I bailed out of there and went, wow, one, two, three, bang. Yeah. And he said, okay, you're doing free fall, next jump. <laughs> so I won the Nationals, Utah Nationals, the next year. So just to clarify a few things, what, what, what year is this roughly? Oh, 65. Okay. So how many parachutist competitions are happening in 1965 that Utah has won? You know what I mean? Not exactly. It's called the, the Utah National Parachute Championships where right. people come from all over. Yeah. And, and then you have the California National Championships and people from Utah come there. Yeah. Arizona Championships. Yes. People from Arizona also compete against people from California, Utah. Yeah. I competed in a lot of them. How many people are showing up to these competitions? Probably close to 100. Okay. That's still way more than I would expect <laughs> right. for 1965 parachuting. And it's not yeah. like you've been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Or that there's a like, history in it. Yeah. You know, right. Like, we've sorted it all out. Right. It's safe now. No, it's like. Yeah. Well, you, you want to know how I got my pilot's license? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> there's two stories. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but. There's two well, stories. The, the, story, the first story is my single pilot's license. Okay. And the second story is my twin pilot's license. Okay, sure. Uh -huh. So my single pilot's license, basically, I was 
I, I became a partner in the parachute center, and I became a partner with his brother who raced at the Salt Lake City Fairgrounds and who had made arrangements for us to do a demonstration parachute jump into the Salt Lake City Fairgrounds. And that's where I bought my first Super Modified. And before this, you had zero racing anything going on. Right. Other than skiing, basically. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm yes. going gonna, gonna to put you on pause for one second. You said you were a partner in this parachute company when you'd only been parachuting for a little while. Yeah. Well, I bought I, in as a partner. Oh, you bought in. Okay, because like, I, I, I saw a story where maybe you muscled your way into sort of being part of the management because that seems very much the personality that I'm seeing. Well, I didn't pay. <laughs> so you did exactly what I said you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's basically what he that did. That guilty laugh. I absolutely yeah. did. Do you, know, do you know how I paid? I need to know. Uh, yes, I, I don't know how you did, but I yeah. want to know. Steve said, Okay. you Who's do Steve? so well, everybody it's, trusts you. Okay. If you'll do all my lessons on baton passing, where you pass the batons and things, and he said, help me in the instruction, you're a partner. Okay. And I said, great, let's <laughs> count it in. I love helping people. Right. Did he come so, to you, or did you sort of suggest this to him and make it his idea? Well, I just said it'd be nice if I was part interest. <laughs> <laughs> so again. So you're like, hey, I need to be in charge of this. Yeah, I need yeah. to be a part of this. He said, it didn't just yeah. happen. Yeah, you he sort did. of put the seed in there. So at that point, Steve <laughs> yeah. says, you need to meet my brother. He races at the Salt Lake City Fairgrounds. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So basically, I met his brother, Mark. Because you were there doing a demonstration, like for the, like a promotion for the race. You guys were jumping out of a plane yeah. or something yeah. for the fans. Yeah. Yeah, they still do that now. So I, yeah. fell in, I fell in love with that that night because we did such a good show that the promoter said, would you like to run? 10 laps for the fans i'll get the owners to put their car for them yeah. for the four parachutes okay so like let the air team do we some had demo a standing laps. ovation yeah yeah when we did it right standing ovation did you just so, do laps or did you have like flares up and stuff like well, that? well what happened is i crashed the car <laughs> well okay that's why it was so exciting okay all right okay what happened is we drew straws to see who started last yeah. right. I drew the worst straw, and I started on the outside mm -hmm. with four of us. Yeah. So the last lap, I wasn't going to stay there. Good. You don't strike me as very competitive. And this is your first race ever. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I actually went around him on the outside. Yeah, yeah. Based on all your turn, racing experience, yeah, right. right. Saying, this is it, win yeah. or lose. Yeah. Yep. Checkers yep. or records. Not went my around. car. He <laughs> had the same attitude I did. And he went in too hard. Yes. And he slid up into me. I went up over his tire and over the wall. <laughs> so <laughs> now I just picture the car owners that are like, yeah, yeah, that's our stuff getting destroyed. Yeah. So, so basically what happened at that point is I felt really guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so why uh, I, don't. I went down into the pits after the race. Brave. And I went to the owner of the car and I said, I'm really sorry. I want to help you fix the car. He said, Dick, you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to court. <laughs> this was Saturday night. He said, I'm going to court on Monday morning. And the wife gets half the car. He said, I'm going to have a big smile when I tell him it's a piece of <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> well, how much? I said, that's not fair to your ex-wife. What? I, I said, no, I did. And that's not where I, I would have gone with that. I said, how much was your car worth? 
he said about 2,500. Yeah. I said, then why don't I pay you? Back then, I was very successful in the insurance business. Yeah, because that's what you said, ended up doing for work in, yes. in, in Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah, I had gone to president of the insurance companies, and I was chairman of nine companies, president of three, uh, making a lot of money. So I said, how much is it worth? 2500 I said, I'll give you a check tonight for 2500 Can I have the trailer with the car? Yeah, of course. So I said, will you take care of it, and tomorrow I'll pick it up. Sure. So I picked the car up. I hired a guy named Gary Brown that everybody said in the in the garage area that he was the best mechanic. He'll bring it back to life. Yeah. I crashed at the next four races. <laughs> <laughs> he said with sincerity. Yeah. Yeah. This is the one story I know is true. Yeah. It's true. At that point, Mark Biljanic said to me, Dick. You're so competitive. We need to get the car under you that you can drive. Yeah. And I said, Mark, I'm, 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 I'm with you. This piece of junk is just terrible. It's the car's fault. So, it's the car's fault that the brand new guy that's racing has crashed five times in his first five races. So back, yeah, back at that date, Total Art Pollard, Billy Foster, Jim yeah. Malloy were coming to Salt Lake City to race at the Salt Lake racetrack yeah. once a year. So I discovered that they were driving. Uh, offset Roger built by Grant King out of Portland, Oregon. And they were winning races everywhere they went. Idaho, there, everywhere. It didn't matter where they were running. Yeah, right. And so I said, I got to have one of those cars. <laughs> so I, 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 got, I got a hold of Grant King. He built the car for me. Mark, because he's in the Ford, he was the best Ford salesman, number one salesman in Ford in Midvale, Utah, and it was called Midvale Ford. And he was number one salesman. So he made money. So basically, he said, let me look into it. So he got a hold of Mickey Thompson. And we had Mickey Thompson build us a half-inch stroke, 289, that met the requirements of a 327. So you couldn't have more than 327 cubic inches all like at that time. So that met the, the requirement. But, man, the torque of that and the, the way it got off the corners. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I won 20 out of 21 races that next year. Well, yeah, you showed up with, like, a factory car, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I like to look the game with yes. this. Yes. Right, I did. So the best races I ever had was when Billy Foster, Art Pollard, and yeah. Jim Malloy would come to Salt Lake. We had a real race. Yeah, right. Other than that, I had an unfair race. Because you brought the best car to the game. I bet the best yeah. car to the game, and it wasn't necessarily my success as it was the car's success. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I have to say this. I sold. I was yeah, the of Penske. The, of the short track scene. And right. The, yes. Yeah. Right. But I have to say this. I sold the car, and the guy that bought it never finished better than sixth. Okay. Okay. And yeah, I right. finished with the most points ever in the history. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, of Salt Lake City. So then, then I broke my back in parachuting, doing a demonstration jump into the Salt Lake City I've, Fair. I've read this story. You have to tell the exact, you have to tell the jump story. Well, basically what happened is uh, we were asked to do uh, another demonstration right, jump. Right, And we were doing it more than just one year. And they were paying us to do it. So this particular day, the winds was 50-knot gusts and 60-knot gusts. Right. 30-knot constant wind. 
So the other three guys wouldn't do it. And I said to Steve <laughs> Biljanic, who was... This is the broken back story? Yeah, but... Yeah, yes. okay, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm invincible. <laughs> the, the, Steve Biljanic was the 81st Airborne, you know, got a medal and whatnot for the military. So he said, I'll do it with you. He said, but you're going to open last. And I said, why? I want to see what happens to you with the wind on the ground. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. Now you, now you go first. <laughs> yeah. So the fairgrounds had in the center of the fair this great big garden. Well, we had them remove all of the flowers mm -hmm. and made it into a huge mound of moss and peat moss and soft dirt because we knew we were coming in fast. <laughs> so basically, we dropped a, what you call a, a flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and Just to kind of see which way it travels. And, and see yeah. which way it travels yeah. and how far. Yeah. So we went out like about three-quarters of a mile past the, the, past the, uh, sort uh, of the landing site you're The fairgrounds. Yeah, 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 right. And <laughs> now the drop zone's here, and we're about three-quarters of a mile here. Yeah. So we bail out. And man, that wind was howling. Yeah. And we're coming across probably 50 mile an hour. And with I, the, like with the shootout at this point. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and when I'm, I'm trying to gear it up to when I'm going to turn around and fight the wind. <laughs> so I turn it around. Now, first of all, in the jumping, he wanted me to open. So he opened early, the dumb, I mean, smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was a dumb guy. Yeah, you're just mad at him. That's all. <laughs> so I dropped down here. He's opened up here and I dropped here. We're both trying to, both good experienced jumpers, and we're both trying to figure out how we're going to pull this off, landing in front of a big crowd in the center of the fairgrounds between all the buildings. So as I'm coming along, I see that there's no friggin' way. I made that turn too late. I now know that I'm going to go past this drop zone. What's in the other side of the drop zone? Grandstand's 110 feet high. <laughs> Right. Am yeah. I going to slam into the grandstand? Right. Or am I going to turn my chute around and go over the top? Yeah. So I turn my chute around, and I'm going over the top, dropping at the same time. Yeah. And I hit the top of the grandstand, and my feet are going boom, boom, right. boom, right. across the top. Yeah. And when the sure chute got on the other side, have you ever seen a pair of a piece of paper when it hits a fence, goes around and comes tucks down? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. right. The parachute went before me. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm looking at the parachute. <laughs> 100 feet up. Right, right. Yep. Like, uh oh. This isn't going to go well. Yeah. This, is, this is the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I landed on my feet, broke both ankles, and my back in three places. And they took me to the hospital. I, this is when I hate hospitals because I was actually able to walk. My ankles were broke only from the impact. Okay. They were still, the bones were still intact. There's like, like basically fractured. Fractured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But still intact. Yeah. Because I didn't pull the, mm -hmm. the muscles apart. So I could walk on them. Right. Hurt, but I could walk on them. Yes. So I walk into the hospital and they <laughs> do the x-rays and they say, well, you broke your back in three places. You broke both ankles. Um, and I said, oh, okay. So what? <laughs> <laughs> Normal response. What, yeah, do, yeah. what do we do about it? Yeah. Because I remember I walked in. Yeah. I wanted to walk out. Right. And they said, no, we got to put you in 
a stretch. We got to stretch you out, and we got to do all this. They yeah. put me on this table, and they put all these weights on my legs and pulled them down, and and put something under here and yeah. pulled me up. And then they did stuff to my ankles, and I was unable to move, except for my arms. Right. And and I'm going. This is terrible. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I don't know. I'm going to die from just being frustrated, being not able to move. So I start fighting them right from the beginning. And I said, take this stuff off, please. Well, believe it or not, what happened is the shock entered my body. Uh huh. And my body went into total shock and all of my innards stopped working. Okay. I blew up like a balloon. Mm -hmm. From all the work being done. Huh? So you went into shock from all the work being done to you all of a sudden? No, I, I went into shock from the accident. Oh, from the accident. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my system, all the vitals stopped working. And they predicted I was going to die. Less than one and a half days, one day later, right. they predicted that night. They kept me overnight, strapped up. And that day, I tried to poke a hole in my stomach because... I oh felt it was going to explode, and I took the nurse's pencil, and when she was I like that you're there, doing like a stab yourself motion. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, she set the, the deal on my stomach, and she, the pencil was there, and I took it, and I, ah! <laughs> there, there, because there are things I wish our listeners could, could see. see it, <laughs> now, and again, I, 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 I can only imagine the pain, but like, Based on all of your medical training, <laughs> you know exactly how to fix this. Everything seems to line up right now. So right, they, right. they strapped down. I got this. Yeah. They strapped down my wrist. Mm. By, well, that, by that, I don't know if you remember about <laughs> yeah. a minute ago, but you just stabbed yourself. Huh? I don't know if you remember a minute ago, but you just stabbed yourself. Right. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. But go on. No, no, have a drink. You yeah. haven't had a sip yet, and we're over <laughs> here enjoying. Please enjoy your wine. Well, but basically, the pencil never penetrated. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. So, so they strapped you down to not let you do it again. Down. Yeah. That night at 3 o'clock, I hear the priest saying oh, he's wow. not going to make it. Right. Okay. I'm in a coma, total coma by that time. And I'm saying if you people would just let me get off this table and get rid of all this innard stuff, I will live. Uh -huh. But you know, I'm in a coma. I hear it all. Oh, right. I, I yeah, hear yeah. the last rites. I yeah. hear. Yeah. I I hear it all, and I, I swear to God, that's e weary because I'm of sane mind. They're not. Right. And, They're and, the the doctors of the. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and my wife at that time was Catholic. Okay. And so she had this Catholic priest there, and uh, a lot of faith. She had called. You about right. to say because yeah, the yeah. previous wife was Mormon. Right. Yeah. The wife one was Mormon. Are you a practicing religious person? Diane, what do you... Do you practice religion? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But she's well, not well, Mormon. Well, no, I didn't think so. Yeah. What do you, uh, if you don't mind me asking? I'm Protestant. Okay, so okay. we're really covering all the spectrum. Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. waiting for yeah. Buddhist. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, no. The last one was Hindu, no, and then no, this no. one is... I, I was never Mormon, and there's a story between that, but that's great. okay. Great. yeah. But basically at the hospital... I just like that you've covered all your bases. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, you're sampling the whole yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so at the hospital... He likes me best. Mm -hmm. All right. So me too. That morning at 7 o'clock, I'm still hanging on. Seven o'clock, the doctor got there. He took one look at me. He told the nurses to do whatever they did. They stuck tubes down through my 
nose, in mouth, nose. Yeah. tubes in my rectum, in my penis. And when the rectum tube. Wait, why is that funny? The the most. <laughs> that's literally the most painful of the ones. This story. This really happened. Yeah, but he yeah. said penis. You started laughing. I was like, no. oh, we should like, be laughing. No, no, say, no. Like, no it was the other end. If I was going to say who's the most juvenile in this table, right, it right. would not be you. So what, what happened is. It's the other end. You couldn't do this if you tried. Okay. Right. They put that tube way up inside me, right? Yes. It blew the other end out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's going all over, and the nurses are screaming. Found our new cartoon. Oh my yeah. god! And yeah. Of course, fa- hopefully, I mean, thankful the family was out of the room at this point. Right. Right. So yeah. it was just the nurses eyes. all screaming. Yeah. Grab it! Grab it! You know. Jeez. <laughs> 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 this would make a good episode of Family Guy. Yeah. 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 Wait, do you watch Family Guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> I won't admit it. <laughs> That's a yes. That's a yes. Yeah. That's a very clear Amazing. Yes. Amazing. So, so basically what happened at that point is I came out of the coma. It was really. Oh, it wait, wa- as this is going crazy or like following that? Following that. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably within an hour. Oh, so it oh, really wow. made a difference quick. So. Yeah, right. And I started having vision, uh, actual vision. Yeah. Before that, I was in a dark room. Right. Uh, and all of a sudden, I had vision again. I'm oh, thank God, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And then the doctor came in and he says, "You're going to be all right now." I was fishing. I'm sorry, I didn't get here <laughs> he was a, out of town. a day early. <laughs> and and he's apologizing. His name was Doctor. Uh, oh, I know it. I'll, I'll think of. I'll think of it. But well, he was the. He, <laughs> he, 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 he was. He was teaching. He was teaching at the University of Utah. Okay. There's yeah. more to that story. But ba- basically. <laughs> I like that he adds that all the time. Yeah. So basically what he said was, I apologize. I was fishing over the weekend. Yeah. They should have taken care of you. I said, I tried to put a pencil in me. They wouldn't let me. <laughs> and, and he said, well, that wouldn't have cured you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was that's like, a, well, that's a horrible idea. But yeah. I like Dr. Morrell. I remembered his okay. name. There he is. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Robert Morrell. Rest in peace. And he was a teacher <laughs> at the University of Utah. Like the actor? And so basically uh, he said, Dick, you know, we're going to have to operate on your back. Yeah. And we're going to have to, uh, uh, what is it, uh, when they make it, they make it solid. Fuse it? They have to fuse it? Fuse. Yeah. He said, yeah. we're going to yeah. fuse your back. And I said, no, you're not. I walked in here with a broken back. I'm going to walk out of here. And he said, no, you're not. He said, the nerves that run along that channel, he said, if you pinch one of those nerves, you're going to be in a wheelchair the rest of your life. Yeah. And I said, well, we'll see. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Again, on based on your medical background, right. Doctor Dick yeah. Simon over here. So yeah. I know MD. you. I know yeah. you won't believe this, but if you checked to the hospital records, yeah, I checked out at three o'clock and got an am, I got a, 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 a taxi cab okay. to take me home. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Doctor Morrow calls me the next day, and he said, "I need you to sign some waivers." Right. Because you left. Because right. I left the hospital. Yeah. 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 So I signed all the waivers, and <laughs> and then he said, "Now, Dick, I need you to come in. We'll cast you." He said, "We'll put a cast on you," and he <clears> said, "Because I don't want you to become an invalid. Please, yeah, 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 yeah right. Please." He begged me to come in. I mean, you're yeah. in a fragile state with this. He said, "You've got to be yeah. in so much pain; it's unbelievable." I said, "Well, 
not really. <laughs> I, I said, I, uh, my ankles hurt worse than my back. <laughs> and you want to fuse my back. I said, I don't want that. I said, if you want to put casts on my feet, fine. But he said, no, we got to cast your back. So I came in the next day. He put a cast from here yeah. to here. Yeah. So from your neck down to your shin, or basically your knee. A little bit below the crotch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah sure. Glad you clarified that. Right. <laughs> so I could not. You can see who drinks yeah, my wine. Say, nah, just keep going. Yeah, Dick, she, if you want to take off, we're just going to interview your wife. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty she's, fun. Or she's, she's, fun. <laughs> she's the best woman in the world. But in any case, in any case, what happened is I basically said to him, I said, you know, Dr. Morrow, how long do I have to wear the cast? Yeah. I'm already, he had me come back five days later. I'm stinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said, wear it at least two more weeks, and then we'll cut it in half, mm -hmm. and then that way you can take a bath in between and put it back on. Right. Bingo. Yeah. I did my own mechanics. I did, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So I had this little grinder that you put these little things on, right? and I put a piece of tape on it when I measured the thickness of the cast. Yes, I cut myself in a few places, but I cut, <laughs> right. I cut the cast off on both sides, right, right. and I started my own therapy in the bathtub. Doctor I would Dick put Simon. my toes on the drain yeah. and turn the hot water on until it turned cold. Yeah. And I'd lay in the tub and take as hot as water as I could. Then I'd get out of the tub and exercise and flex myself as much as I could. After a month, he x-rayed me and said, you heal so fast, I guess too late to fuse you. Yeah. And I said, thank God. So I've never had a back problem since. <laughs> so well, it, that's it, not entirely true. Well... <laughs> I was just going to add this he, in real quick. I am so glad you're here. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, he yeah. had back surgery in 2014. Hold on. Yeah, wait. Now, wait. All right. Back problem sense. Well, other than surgery. Well, not let, like an ache. Well, all right. Let me put you, tell you why that surgery happened. Okay. Yeah, I think I got a guess, but sure. Sure. Well, no, the surgery happened because. Who performed during, it? The doctor or you? No, the doctor. Okay. The reason that surgery happened is because. When I had that impact, yeah. those little cushions that go between the third, fourth, and fifth lumbar were squashed out. So all these years, yes, I put up with a hell of a lot of pain. Yeah. Oh, well, this, okay. This. So we're okay. That's, okay. That's a little bit more so realistic. Somehow a hot right. bath once. But, yeah, but, we'll that. but basically, yeah. as long as I took care of myself and I was okay, it wasn't a major problem. Yeah. But it got to the point, finally, one day when I was lifting a lot of heavy stuff, Oh, man, it hurt so bad. I went home, and she said, you need to go see about having an operation. So right. I went, and he went in there with a little slit, and he put cushions between all of those. And from that point on, I never had a problem. Okay. I was out of the hospital, what, in one, two days? Uh, the next day. The next day. Yeah. yeah. Now, is that something that they had to put you out for, or they just did so you wouldn't tell them how to do the surgery? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yes. Look at that grin. Like it might have. I don't know. So, so, so basically that cured the back yeah, pain. Right. But I mean, it never stopped me from doing anything. That's why I yeah. said I didn't have a problem. Because so, it never stopped me from doing anything. So what I like about you is that you're, my, my dad is kind of like this. He's an old stubborn guy that'll do everything himself, cut his own cast off and all that crap. Um, but you also have a sense of humor about it. 
you know what I mean? Like you're from that, that generation of like, well, I have to feed a family even though I'm 12 years old. I'm going to go get three jobs. But you actually have a sense of humor about it. You're not like a curmudgeon like, listen, you damn kids, your podcast. <laughs> I love it. Did you skydive after the, uh, the broken back crash? I took one jump. Oh, okay. And I did that for my own self. Okay. Uh, I went up and made almost a dead center. Uh, where out in the field you put a disc, and I did a right turn, a left turn, a back loop, a forward loop, and a right turn, a left turn. So you kind of went through parachute. all the big motions. Yeah. Yeah. Went through the motions of what we did in the nationals. Yeah. And I missed the damn center <laughs> about three feet. Oh, and Steve right. says, well, you're going to go back up and make it a dead center? I know. I said, Steve, I wanted to make one more jump. I've done it. Yeah. The good Lord, because I was told by the doctor... Yeah, right. I should. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, this, this so. adds up to the character that I've so far met. Uh, yeah. That, like, <laughs> you couldn't just leave it alone. You had yeah. to know that, like, okay, I still can. I still got it if I want it. If yeah. I wanted to go back and get yeah. another one or I another one. I could still be a national right. champion and all yeah. that. I could do it. Yeah. yeah. I missed it that one, but not far. What, what? When would you say that final jump took place? Date, time, like, what year was that? 66. 66. Yeah, we're going with this. Right now? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you're from uh, you're from Seattle. Yeah. Go ahead. No, keep going. Okay, you're like from you're Seattle. At, yeah. Uh, you're definitely skilled at jumping out of airplanes. You're not afraid of much. Yeah. No, that's why they caused me or called me DB Cooper. That's okay, where we so were going. Can you confirm yeah. where you were on the afternoon of Wednesday, November 24th, 1971? <laughs> yes, I was at White Plains, New York. Uh-huh. With the uh, vice president of marketing. Mm. Of? Of who? Of Come on, company. get it together. General Foods. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, okay. sure, sure. And uh, and what were you doing there? Selling a sponsorship uh-huh. for the racing. Uh-huh. Okay. And what was the sponsor for? What was the brand? Uh, I think it was Kellogg's, but I'm not sure. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> According to FBI records, it was Post Toasties. Oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a really cool cool brand you made up. Yeah. That's uh-huh. not no, I don't think so. But is post toasties real, or is that just what you made up to get away with this whole thing? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just like funny. You didn't deny it then. Yeah, right. Not okay. denying the DB. Okay, so, I, a lot of so, a lot of the younger folks don't know who. Yeah, DB kids Cooper might is. not even have a clue who he is in general. Right. So, who is DB Cooper to you, Dick Simon? Well, he's a bald-headed guy. <laughs> uh, You're not that, helping your case. That knew dude. how to ski. Right. Right. Had a pilot's license, apparently. He had a par- pilot's yeah, license. Yeah, knew a lot about airplanes. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he knew exactly how to yaw the airplane so that he didn't get in trouble going out the back door. Right. He knew what altitude to, to go at. Uh-huh. He knew the mountains. He knew he lived in that area for years. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and, 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 Welcome and, to the third podcast the FBI's listened to. Yes, yeah, right. And, and he planned that, you know, I'll... I'll put a little bit of money in the in in the creek that goes down. Yeah. So that yeah. they get confused about where the money might be really hidden. Yeah. And I'll plant the money and go back and get it. If you said I'll, I'll, I'll plant the money. Yeah. Yeah. I'll plant the money. Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> so the the mythology. So DB Cooper is a is a. a, a 
a name, a, a sort of an anonymous name that was given, like a John Doe kind yeah, of name. His real name was, oh, well, he, the, the, he flew under Dan Cooper. Yeah, there was a yeah. Dan Cooper purchase with cash. For, it was a plane ticket for some flight from, headed to Seattle. It was from Portland to Seattle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this was in what year? 1971. 1971. So basically, I don't remember the specifics of the hijacking, but go ahead. But basically, the guy takes money off the plane because he knew the plane would have money, plus like the people on it, the whole nine yards. And then he explains to the pilots where he wants them to go and fly and how he wants them to fly. And he knew specifics about the area, like how far of a drive it would be from a certain Air Force base that they flew over, yeah. proving that the guy obviously knew the area very well yeah. and possibly had some sort of military background or parachuting background because he knew about the layout of the land and how long it would take to drive plus parachute somewhere. He was a scuba diver. Yep, yep, yeah, which you apparently do. Yes, yeah. <laughs> senior diver certificate. Yep. Uh, pilot's license, multi-engine. Yep. A parachutist. Yeah, his dad ran out on his family when he was 12. Yeah, uh, his yeah. mom had multiple sclerosis. Is that not, <laughs> is not, is not part of it? No. no. And basically, here's the other thing. Thinks he's a doctor. Oh. I got $200,000, <laughs> and I paid Dan Gurney $200,000 so for my first eagle. Right, so that was the big thing. Right around the time that he disappears with, like, this $200,000 or whatever it is, you then go buy a race car for $200,000. <laughs> No wonder the FBI busted the door down. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about that exact instance because I've read certain dif different varying stories about how it went down. So basically, this hijacking takes place, which to this day is still considered unsolved. It's yeah. the only unsolved airplane hijacking experience oh. in history. Oh, and you did good, honey. Well, I've, <laughs> I, I, I've been predicted to live over 100, so it's going to be a long time. <laughs> right, right. So um, you were apparently at a sponsor meeting in New York with uh, somebody from General Mills or sorry General Foods, and uh, if I know anything about uh, racing and people involved, you could probably get some people to vouch for you, right, Sean? Yeah. Like right now, I'm in New York, right, Sean? Yes, you See, are. There it is. Yeah. So maybe I'm not where I say I am. But uh, so DB Cooper gets away with this. They never find him. They find a couple of bills of money, and one of the bills is actually missing several of the marked bills out of it, showing that when they found this money, it couldn't have been, like, random that it washed away. It had to have been tampered with. Well, it was put in the river to float down so yeah. that they'd find one here and one there right. and one there. Right. That's but, intentional. But inside the bills, money was missing, and it was still, like, compacted and rubber-banded together. And if yeah. that were the case, that means you'd have to land because the, the – the question is whether or not he survived the drop. The of course drop, he did. Because yeah. <laughs> he's sitting right here. Because <laughs> he's right here, yeah. apparently. Yep. So for this money to have money missing out of it, he either removed it on the plane or, it, or it, when he landed on the ground, and that's how it all went down. So basically, fast forward to the FBI gets a load of people together. They know people that live in the certain areas. And they look into it that you have a lot of the similar characteristics of D.B. Cooper. And so they show up and, and want to meet you, so to speak. How'd that happen? They How'd didn't that go? show up very pleasantly. Okay. Yeah, right. Right. There was a knock on the door of the kind that I've never heard in my life. They just busted it open. I'm going to go on a limb and say a hijacking suspect <laughs> is usually not a soft crime. So, yeah, but go on. Yeah. Well, so I'm in the living room sitting on the couch. And they busted through the front door. What, where are you living at this time? Sandy, Utah. Okay, yeah, yeah. They busted through the door, and I jumped up only to be greeted by the guy with the gun and the other guys with him. Yeah. It shoved me back in the couch and told me to sit down. My wife, Joanne, at the time, 
was panicked, you know, and of course I was panicked. <laughs> and, and they started asking me questions. I can't remember all of the questions, but the one question that my wife at the time answered, well, I know where he was because I couldn't remember. Yeah. I was in shock. Well, there's a gun in your face. That'll do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah right. And, and I, I don't know where I was. Did, did they make it clear why they were asking? No. Okay, so it's not like they're like, we're here because of D.B. Cooper. No, so you're no, just a no, guy no, that's no, like, no, it could no. be yeah. anything. Yeah, like, right. Gun they in your face, where were you? said, where were you this day? Yeah. Yeah, right. I said, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I am. But I didn't say, but I said, I don't know. Good to clarify. I said, I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, you better know. Think. Right, right. And. No, it's good. It's, it's good. fine. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> and, so, so basically, I, I uh, at that time, Joanne, she said, "Well, I think he was in New York, sir." Yeah, proof. Well, I think I have a copy of his ticket. So she went to get it. They're holding me on the couch, and she brings the ticket out. And he makes a call to New York, talk to somebody. To kind of verify it. Right. I don't right. know who he talked to. Yeah. Now, is this the second wife? This is, is the this Mormon. the second wife? That's my first Mormon. wife. Okay, so this wife, is the Mormon. So, yeah. so okay. Sandy, yeah. 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 Or, oh, right. So, yeah, yeah. so basically, he got whatever he needed for an answer. Yeah. That I was there and that from the secretary. And I don't know whether she connected him to whoever I met with or not. They were on the phone for 15 minutes. I was sweating like a hog and, you know, wondering what the hell's going on here. You know, I was in New York that day because I then remembered when she told me that's where I was. She remembered the alibi you had pre-set up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Um, so, so who did you actually send to the meeting with the guy in New York? Some other bald <laughs> So basically what happened is they immediately turned around. They did not apologize. They did not say, we'll fix your door. They disappeared. I never heard from them the rest of my life. I thought I might when Rolla Volstead did a dirty trick. He was in Portland. And he wanted to get some publicity. And at the time, I was driving for him. And he talked to the newspaper in Portland. And it's in there. If you pull up the newspaper, you'll find it. Headlines the next day in the sports section of the Indy race. Is Dick Simon possibly D.B. Cooper? Wow. He actually I, did that? <laughs> I wanted to kill him. <laughs> so, Volstead was my kind of guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> Holy Sean crap. The time. That is yeah. my style of PR right there. Well, he headed up that whole sports section by doing that. <laughs> oh, he's my guy. <laughs> then it told about Rolla and about yeah. what he was doing in Indy Racing and yeah, what yeah, Dick yeah. Simon's doing and that yeah, no, Dick Simon yeah. isn't D.B. Cooper. Right. And, you know, but if you didn't read the fine print, you didn't know I wasn't D.B. Cooper. Yeah. Right. So, from that point on, that whole year, hey, D.B. <laughs> so, even in that ear, people just read the headlines. They just read the headlines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, it's right. not just now. I'm not going to click on the link. Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, do you know what the statute of limitations are with this particular case? Uh, there are none. No, it, yeah, exactly. It's still, yeah, if you if you admitted to it now, you would get prosecuted yes. specifically on this case. Yes. Yeah, because they tried to overturn it, I think, in like 2005 or something because they wanted just to, to get, yeah, yeah like somebody just own up to this. And they're like, no way, because like this is a legitimate hijacking. Well, that's a hijacking, right, yeah. That's right. Well, there's yeah. no no way that so. I'm guilty, so that's why I'm a little bit flirty with the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so 
good. It's so good. Yeah, you're definitely yeah. Our, like I do think you're our first hijacking suspect on the show. So yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been accused a lot, but <laughs> that's probably the the biggest thing I've been accused of. But did he that tell you when he jumped out of the plane without a parachute? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. It's yeah. in my notes. So oh. <laughs> Travis Pastrana did this. Do you know who Travis Pastrana is? No. Now you're the best. So <laughs> Travis Pastrana is a sports athlete. He's a Red Bull athlete. He's a rally. He made his name on dirt bikes and doing dirt bike stunts. Then he started doing rallying, and he became a Subaru factory driver because he's actually pretty good behind the wheel, but also he can bring – he's got he's, huge following. He's kind of our evil Knievel. Yeah, absolutely. And like three years ago, maybe a little longer now, he jumped out of a – he skydives. He jumped out of a plane without a parachute on at all. Yeah. And then another guy had one, and he put it on the whole thing and Red Bull sponsored it. It was a big deal. That's what well, I did. Right. But do you get the credit for it? No. No. We, we did it very quietly because it was a bet at the uh, drop zone. <laughs> but, <laughs> hold on. No, no. You, that's no. Um, it was not a big production. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm seeing, I'm seeing like three guys with like a dollar bill each. Yeah. yeah like, like, so it, like this is a crazy it was, it level was, of risk. It was not a bet for money. So it's not even for three dollars. No, it's literally just male ego. Yes, uh, and you like not just like kind of put your life at risk. Like did one of the riskiest things you could no. possibly do. You got to understand. I I, you, did, you I, did, I did probably more than six hundred baton passes without missing one. Okay. So <clears throat> what Steve it's did? Totally the same as not having a parachute. Well, what what <laughs> what Steve did was he basically had me teaching the guys how to pass batons. So I okay. would I would have them carry it one time and yeah. I'd carry it the next. Right, right, right. When you forced Steve to make you a partner. Not, well, didn't force him, but right. nevertheless. When he had the brilliant idea he, somehow. He suggested it, and he suggested I be partners with his right. brother in racing. Yeah. That's how I got into I racing. So, so, so basically, life happens because of activity. Right. Activity creates action. Action is created by the people involved in the action. So, do we sue Travis Pastrana for how no. do we like? What do no. we move forward? We don't want to steal his thunder. I, I think we just no. If no. if he wasn't a racer, I think we'd let it go. But I think if he heard this, he would think it was way off. Like because he's a, he's a cool guy. He'd be like he'd be like, wait, what? I don't. Yeah. Li listen, listen. Yeah. What I did very quietly was between myself, Steve, and a couple other people. Um, because it was so crazy. Right. That's my point. So, Travis Pastrana is, I don't know how much he gets paid by Red Bull, but let's say he gets paid a lot of money by Red Bull. <laughs> you were just talking Could bullshit with three that other now? dudes. Huh? <laughs> Could you still do that now? Would I he still said do it He now? just said he gets paid a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, right. like, I think, I think Red, Red Bull money. should sponsor yeah. you now because you are, you're 85? 86. You're 86. On September 21st. You're the one of the craziest people I've ever met. <laughs> uh, I think Red Bull should absolutely sponsor yeah. you today. Yeah. I think if you could, you'd walk around in a Red Bull hat, right? You wouldn't care. Sure, I wouldn't care. Yeah, that's got to be worth something. Yes, I would. No, you I wouldn't let yes, you, you do would. it. No, I wouldn't. Not jump again. He's talking about walk around with a Red Bull hat. Oh, well, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one jump. No, not again. With $200,000. One jump without a parachute. No, just, one, just one. Uh, I'll tell you why I wouldn't do it again. When you're falling through the air, you fall about 200 miles an hour mm -hmm. if you're exposed. Yeah, right. 100% exposed. Yeah. You fall at about 200 miles an hour. 
if you go into pointing your toes and point, putting your arms back, who knows how fast you can go. It just increases all the way down. Right. So, therefore, the first guy goes out of the airplane and falls flat. Second guy comes out 10 seconds later because he wants him to be far enough down that you can control the whole jump. So he wants, you want him to be stable speed. So he's stable speed, and you come after him like this. Mm-hmm. And you level out at a level and come up to him. Now, if you've been doing baton passes, that's no problem. Yeah, right. Because you come in and hand him a baton and say, you did it. Congratulations. And peel off. All right? You do that so many times. You're sitting in a bar at the drop zone, and everybody says, you know, one thing you haven't done, Dick, is jump without a parachute. <laughs> well, let's do it tomorrow. <laughs> You know, Sean, you get it. Right. Uh, how, do, how do people not know your story? This is right. crazy. Yeah. No, but I said, I said, Steve, you're going to have to carry the parachute. Yeah. You carry the. Now, th- you got to understand, I had all the trust in the world in this guy. He was the 81st Airborne. Yeah, right. Uh, and he was the one that was teaching everybody. He's the one that taught me. Yeah, and he's your business partner. So, yeah, like, you're literally relying partner. on him. Yeah, so, yeah. I said, you just hold it in your stomach and hand it to me. <laughs> When I get there, but don't hand it out here. I said, just hand it to me like this. Right, keep it close. Yeah, push it down. Okay, you're falling like this. Let me just get it. You can help like this if you want. But right. Don't stop. Yeah. I come in. He pushes it out like that. Yeah. To oh, hand dude. it to me. Yeah, right. Actually, yes, I'm not. Stood to. him up. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. So he did exactly what he asked him not to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it stood him up. <laughs> Well, obviously, oh, right. I yeah. grabbed his heels, or his, his ankles. Yeah, right. Because, boom, like that, <laughs> yeah. instead of here. Yeah. Boom. And I went, holy sh**. And we tumbled and tumbled and tumbled, and I crawled Trying up and got the parachute yeah, right. and put it on and opened it up. Plain and simple. That's all it was. So we didn't make a big issue out of it. Sure. It well, we're going <clears> to. <throat> yeah. We're, yeah. No, we're, no, we're <laughs> turning that around. <laughs> Kids? No, it's just one of those things in, it's just one of those things in life that sometimes you do. And sometimes you realize how f-ing stupid you were. Stolen, <laughs> but we haven't even talked about IndyCars. Yeah, we have. <laughs> like, but and, but I have almost to, two hours I have, in. I have to tell you guys, yeah. you gain confidence. I actually quit parachuting mm-hmm. partially because I started thinking I could land without a parachute. All right. Oh, you got that sort of false Eagles sense back. Of, yeah. Eagles I, back. I yeah. started actually having dreams where I was coming across the sky yeah. and toot, toot, toot. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> landing. Yeah. So and you, you I, caught yourself enough to be like, I need to quit. Uh, this isn't going to end well. Yeah, I right. said, you know. But, yeah, and also I got balled out so many times for opening too low. I would open five, 600 feet. And <laughs> you're supposed to open yeah. at 2,200. I thousands. I, I don't feet. know parachuting. Is balled out mean you landed really rough and you started tumbling? No. Oh, a few times, yeah. yeah but yeah, I think chewed but, out. But basi- yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I, yeah, chewed out. People yelled at you. No, because oh, I. Okay. I, in so other balled words, out was when. You, the, I don't know the term no, balled out. No, here's. Yeah. I would pull off the show for the grandstands. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. I, and in other words, everybody else is boom. Open, boom, open, yeah. uh, boom, yeah. open, and then boom, everybody's like, "Open, that guy's not." Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Open your reserve! Open your reserve! Boom! Open, bam! <laughs> I'd put on a show. Yeah, no, I believe it. <laughs> you guys are gonna wish you never did this. Oh, <laughs> this is what this we is, live for. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, no, I need a copy of all this because I, t- I swore to Dick that I would. I would do his memoirs, but oh, I'm not well, we gonna do them till after he's dead, so I can't. Well, talk. you gotta you gotta record them now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah record yeah. him now <laughs> because, yeah. But after well, he's you, gone, I'm going to do him. Do you have a writing background? I'll show you something she just wrote for her first book. It's, it's oh, cool. oh, you actually are religious. <laughs> yes, yeah. I am. Yeah, like that's real. <laughs> yes, I am. When I asked, you were like, meh, meh, you, you know, whatever. Really it's my really life's like work. It too. It's my life's she work. Teaches, she's the head instructor <laughs> of Bible study. Oh, okay. oh wow. Wow, okay. we apologize for all the foul language so far. No, 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 no. I'm a human being. <laughs> my wife has been, well, she's just been a, a blessing to me. We've been married 38 years. Yeah. yeah. Impressive. 12th the first, 8th the second, 8th the third. And, uh, I got to know the third wife. What religion was she? Pardon? What religion was the third wife? I don't think she was anything. Oh, oh, so okay. you really did sample kind you of everything. Yeah. You got a little bit of went, yeah, yeah. like nothing. My third wife screwed every friend I had. So <laughs> wait, wait, something <laughs> fell off the tip. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> she was a nice girl. I like. Sounds her. like she was a lot of fun. Yeah. I knew her. <laughs> I didn't know the other two, but I knew. Her. I knew her. I, I like her. She when you nice send girl. somebody to live with their boyfriend for well, a month. Well, that's just month, stupid. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> what's, I don't know what's going on. And, <laughs> and, and, and then I come mean, back and be your husband or wife. Yeah. Be your wife or not. That shows at least you had a love for her that you wanted to keep her. Sure. <laughs> but I wanted to get rid of the boyfriends. So oh, wait, of your wife? So the third. This is the third wife. Of the third wife. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah your wife, wife yeah. should not have boyfriend or no. friends. So, as okay, you put it. so yeah. so your yeah. third wife was had many men that many suitors, friends. Yeah, and yeah. She had many suitors. So the only way to shoo off the other suitors would be to to give her a ring. What was to get a oh, divorce? Yeah. No, no, oh, no, no. They were already oh. married. That's oh, what I was like. Married. <laughs> they were already married. Huh? Oh, I was so confused on what you're describing. Yeah, he, okay. I know. He thought no, you no, meant no. like you guys, that. like yeah. you wanted to make sure she was. Your, okay, okay. No, so never mind. Get her to no, stop no. sleeping. Or, wait, nah, no, no, no. Yeah. She was a very wonderful lady. Okay, <laughs> she she really was. You don't have to sell but us. We're, we're, no, she we don't know her. She had a problem. I was too busy. Uh huh. And she was too young. She was too young, That's 20 years younger than me. She was a horny little dever, which, <laughs> which, which was okay for me when she was with me. Right. It, was, but it worked for a time, but yeah. yeah. But okay. when thank I, you when so I wasn't much. around. No, thank you guys. When I wasn't around to take care of the problem, <laughs> thank you so she much. made sure it got taken care of. Right, right. Got to scratch that itch. Thank you. All right, cheers, round two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm not ashamed of it because basically – uh, it was my my fault as much as hers. She wanted more companionship than I could give. Sure. And I was just too friggin' busy. So did I. But I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's this going? <laughs> do we need to talk about this? This is a safe space. We'll leave the mics on, but we'll step out. <laughs> well, hey, so IndyCar racing, yeah, huh? Everything's good. <laughs> I liked her. Yeah, Diane went and visited her with her. Yeah. Uh, Diane, basically, before she married me, met with each one of my exes. She wanted to know why the marriages didn't work. I wanted to know their version of why the marriages didn't work. I knew his. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go. Let's do your back of All right. So, um, <laughs> Finished.